Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Or thank you for joining us if it's your first time. This is the MindWealth Podcast, and my name is Chelsea. Get ready to sit back, relax, and unwind while we chat about all kinds of things. Today, we're going to be chatting about attachment styles and relationships and where they stem from. Many of us have been in relationships where our partner felt needy or standoffish, or we did those things ourselves. Today, we're chatting about why that is, where it comes from, and how to work on fixing it. First off, you need to know that there are four types of attachment styles. What are they, you ask? Secure, avoidant, anxious, and disorganized. These terms for attachment styles were started in the 1950s by psychoanalyst John Balby, who was the founder of attachment theory, and they were further impacted by Mary Ainsworth. A summary of their work is the study of how your primary caregivers impact your navigation of relationships later in life. Now that you've got a little history lesson, let's get into it. Secure attachment style is the benchmark that many of us as adults strive to hit. This means that there's little jealousy or anxiety found in our relationships because we have the ability to be comfortable within ourselves and our partners. This attachment style is learned from our parents and our parents' ability to regulate their emotions, to have effective communication skills, and the ability to manage conflicts or be easy to connect with. Secure attachment-styled individuals have high self-esteem, can self-reflect, and are comfortable being alone. So you can see why this attachment style is healthy, and a lot of people should be striving towards getting the secure attachment style. Now we can dive into the less desirable attachment styles, though many of us probably show features or all of the following. Avoidant attachment style is an insecure attachment style. In early childhood, you may have had stricter, emotionally unavailable parents. You may have been left alone a lot. Independence was expected, or you were rejected when you expressed your emotional needs. This could even manifest from parents who simply value grades, chores, and manners over hopes and dreams of their child. In a relationship, avoidant attachment-styled partners will always keep you at an arm's distance. They will allow someone to connect with them, but they do their best not to connect themselves back. Some signs that your partner may be avoidant in their attachment styles are avoiding of physical or emotional intimacy, are constantly being independent, they are uncomfortable expressing their feelings, they can be dismissive of others, they have a difficult time trusting others, they feel threatened by people trying to get close to them, they spend more time by themselves than with others. They believe that they do not need other people in their life. They would fall squarely under the category of commitment issues. Anxious attachment styles stem from inconsistent responses from caretakers in their early years. People with this style attachment need constant validation, they fear rejection, they have codependent tendencies, and fear being abandoned frequently. Codependent tendencies for further clarification are when someone feels hurt that their efforts are not being recognized, or feels worthless if they are not needed, or constantly feels anxious because you're not sure that you're making the other person happy enough. Some of the major ways that anxious attachment styles show up in relationships are they feel unworthy of love. They take a lot of the blame for all of the challenges in the relationship and can exhibit intense distrust. These people may also overlook a lot of red flags in a relationship due to the need for the relationship, even if it turns unhealthy. Lastly, disorganized attachment style. 
This most likely stems from childhood trauma, neglect, or abuse. As kids, they may have seemed confused a lot because of the inconsistent care they were receiving, seeing their caregivers as both a source of comfort and of fear. Disorganized attachment styles in relationships could manifest in several different ways. Some of these are the intense need for being in a relationship, but also the intense fear of that emotional relationship. It is a dichotomy between the two previous attachment styles that is the telltale marker of disorganized attachment. These people feel like they cannot be loved, but want love so badly. They want to have intimate relationships, but find it painfully hard to share their half of the partnership by opening up and being vulnerable. They are distrustful of their partner's acts of kindness or support because they feel ulterior motives or are uncomfortable at the show of affection. But because they saw such a swing of commitment in their caregiver's relationship with them, they too at times may swing between anxious and avoidant. They can go from clinging to distant extremely quickly. They may shut down during arguments. They may sabotage the relationship by doing something they know would cause the other person to end it. They may seek out unhealthy relationships by either creating conflicts or picking partners they know to be unsuitable. And now that we've heard about the attachment styles and found a piece of ourselves in all of them, what can we do to help build healthier relationships? First off, you need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. This means physically, mentally, emotionally. You cannot have a healthy relationship with another human being if you do not first have a healthy relationship with yourself. Not saying you can't both work towards this end goal, but that you cannot bring health and build more until you have started putting in the work yourself. Prepare small acts of kindness for yourself on the daily. If this is waking up a little earlier to read a chapter of a book that you're enjoying, picking up your favorite hot tea at the store to sit before bed, high-fiving yourself in the mirror when you brush your teeth. Do something kind for yourself today and every day. Make it a choice and a habit to choose to be nicer to you, and it will reflect in your actions towards others. This is loosely a coding term that I often repeat to myself that I learned in the sixth grade computer class, probably dating myself here. G-I-G-O, GIGO. Do you know what it stands for? Garbage in, garbage out. If all you're feeding yourself through what you see, what you eat, what you think, what you live is garbage, you don't have a lot of opportunity to output much else. So get rid of some of the garbage and replace it with positive things. And remember, what goes in must come out. Take time to compliment yourself on all the things you do actually do right. Maybe you don't feel like you do a lot right, but did you remember to feed your dogs today? That's a win. Did you water your plants? That's a win. Did you clean your dish off after you finished eating? Win. Start counting the small things, which may seem silly at first, but the more positively you reaffirm yourself, the better you're going to get at all the tasks. Practice compassion towards others. This is a big one in allowing yourself to see a world that is outside of your own realm. Volunteering is a huge way to open your eyes and your heart to the world around you. Give back. If you don't have a ton of money, give your time. If you don't have a lot of time, donate stuff you don't need or bought too many of. If you don't have any time to spare or anything to give, give your words. Hold a door open. Thank someone genuinely. There are a lot of people in need in this world, and your small acts of kindness can go a long way. For you, and for them. Now, 
I would recommend seeing a therapist if you have disorganized attachment style, as the source of this style stems from things that likely need to be dealt with professionally. But if you cannot afford a therapist, or you are uncomfortable doing therapy, please consider journaling. There are a lot of free journaling prompts that you can find online if you don't know where to start. But please, just start. Get it on paper and out of your brain so that you can get to work on adjusting your mindset. You don't need to journal every day, maybe just once a week, or maybe when things are really bothering you. But having it written down to look back on later and understand where some of your feelings and emotions stem from can be a powerful tool in helping you heal yourself. Now, I specifically said disorganized here, but journaling can help anyone. So if that speaks to you or it's something that you think you'd like to try, get yourself a notebook and start today. Another way to help improve your ability to have healthy relationships is to work on your emotional intelligence. You can do this by practicing more effective nonverbal communication, aka body language, learning how to have an open stance before beginning conversations, or how to do a better job of controlling your initial reactions to situations and working on keeping a more neutral facial expression. Other ways to increase your emotional quotient are working to better understand your own emotions and controlling them. You can do this through taking the time to understand why you're going through the emotions that you're going through, how to organize them and use emotions to your advantage, how to emotion dump by allowing those emotions to pass through you and not rule you. Things like stress will constantly change your ability to think logically and cause you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. So understanding why you're stressed and learning mechanisms to cope with that emotion will give you greater emotional intelligence. Now I could write an entire episode on emotional management alone, and I might here in the near future. But for now, here are a few ways to deal with hard emotions. First, take a step back and count to five. Take three deep breaths. This will refocus your attentions, both physically and mentally, remove you from the situation and have to say, hey, I'm emotionally reacting to this. Maybe I should wait. Second, if it's in public or at school, sometimes the best thing to do is to walk away. A simple, let's revisit this another time and remove yourself from the space by going to the bathroom or heading outside for some fresh air. Lastly, for your health, sometimes letting go of strong emotions can be done by working out. A brisk 10-minute walk or a 20-minute weightlifting session. It doesn't have to be long to be effective. Putting your body and your mind into another task will help lighten the emotional load overall. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I've enjoyed our time together. If you want to join me again for another chat, you can keep your eyes peeled every Wednesday for a new episode. Feel free to follow me at MindWealth on Instagram if you want to get to know me a little bit in the meantime. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Bye!